This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Just be sitting up there jacked. I'm there for the pack out. You just got to pack me in committed to the boat early on like i love getting close and putting up you cover a range of stuff on here too right like we call this the uh, the thp world headquarters you know my grandpa roy weatherby i came into like that golden little pocket where there was like four or five different bowls just you're canadian we're doing yeah, a canadian I... podcast my name's douglas Bowes. i'm robbie denning normally you can hear like at least breathing that's how quiet I am in the in the woods. That's how stealthy you are. That's how stealthy I am. They call me Sneaky Pete. Oh, is that what they call you? <laughs> yeah. So, how was the week? <laughs> oh man, it's uh, it's been a, a grind, but not for any good reasons. Just work with the amount of snow we got. It's been some long days plowing, so we got dumped on here. We got damn near a foot. Really? Yeah, and that's in town. Maybe not quite a foot, but pretty close and then up still in town but just we got a couple roads that go up and just some slightly higher elevations and fuck they must have got close to a foot and a half up there it was insane so wow. i don't know good for good for uh water and all that kind of stuff later on in the season but let's just hope this isn't our one and done for the it's been pretty sparse here so last couple of years yeah we're supposed to get a pretty mild winter that's what they're saying because of that el nino but who knows yeah. i know here it's pretty it snowed a little bit in the morning and then it turned to rain oh really so it was a nice just hot mess cold mess i guess yeah i'll take a little bit of something it uh i kind of like a little bit of snow for uh for christmas time and that kind of thing for tobogganing with the kids and so well other people's yeah. kids anyway mine are when you're older and they don't do that stuff anymore but i still like to do it yeah right you're probably out there stealing kids toboggans oh pretty much yeah and a kid just come with me kid like it just it looks silly if i'm just by myself to <laughs> here go in the back yeah 
Yeah. Uh, that's funny. How's your edition coming? Uh, it's coming. I got the groundworks all done, and that's kind of what the big panic was. I just wanted to get it done before the ground froze, and it got all sloppy and messy like it is now. So I got that concrete all done, and the insulation and backfilled and drainage and all that stuff done. Now I got to put one more footing in. That's It's under cover, and then I got to do a little bit of demo, and I can start reconstruction. So it's coming along. Awesome. That's good to hear. Yeah, that's it's good. just getting moving is the hardest part, right? Getting Getting that first shovel in the ground. It's a lot of digging. Well, like, I, and I have a ba- bobcat here, and I also rented a little excavator, but still, it's like, unless you're as good as, like, you on one of those things, I'm still shoveling a shitload to grade. And, like, I was grading with, uh, or I was digging out with uh, the bucket, with the excavator, and you're in the machine, you're like, oh, that looks good enough, right? Like, if it's yeah. a couple shovels here and there, I got to do it. And so I get it all dug out where I think I got to go and get the machine back and then I start doing, you know, start running lines and levels and everything. And then I'm like, fuck, I got a lot more. I got to go down here in some spots. Yeah. I should have did that first, but I didn't, I, I, I taught there, it was booked. The machine was booked. So I basically had it for the morning and then they were going to come pick it up in the afternoon. So I was kind of on a time crunch. So I, I basically just wanted to get as much, you know, get the dirt out of there, get it rough shaped. And then well, you did good. That was so a lot of dirt to, to move. Yeah. I ended up taking probably two dump trucks out of here. So wow. I think I took six dump trailers. I just took out of clean fill. I took to the dump. Oh, I got displaced with, cause I had to put some, uh, engineered rock crush in there for the footing and then, you know, just the concrete displaced. And then I wanted to change the grade a little bit. So I scraped down quite a bit. So awesome. But yeah, it's coming along. So I got to, yeah, I just need more wall space. That's it. It's funny. <laughs> and plus, you know, we're, we are creating a, we're making a living area for, for my dad up top. Um, he's getting up there in years, so he's going to be able to live with us and then. Um, we'll have an actual garage that you can utilize because you'll be able to drive into it. So, yeah, and you need more space for all those shoulder mounts. Yeah. So I was talking <laughs> to Darcy, and I got nine shoulder mounts and one full mount out right now that are getting pretty <laughs> close to being done, and then plus a couple other ones, new ones I just dropped off. So we'll see, and then hopefully a whitetail. Yes, no doubt. But that first segue, eh? Yeah, pretty good. I think you've done this before. Yeah, once or twice. Still not very good at it, but we're good. Are, are you going to be heading out later today, or what's your plans? Yeah, so we went out and sat in the blind, Wyatt and I. We set up a tree stand. Sorry, I keep saying blind. Um, a tree stand. We set it up. I took the boys out last Sunday, and we sat in it on Thursday night, Wyatt and I. Yeah. And we hope for a doe, but so this kid i'm like the night before i'm like go lay all your go get all your hunting clothes out and just get them ready for tomorrow so he says okay i'm I'm gonna do that dad so he does it i never think never thought about it because like it's not he's been hunting long enough now he should know what his hunting clothes are not and then i said okay you got to be ready because right after school you got to get changed i'm gonna have the truck loaded up we're gonna go right when you get home after school because he gets out of school at 2 30 i want to be there by like no later than like in the stand by 3 30 and get yeah. a good hour and a half so he comes rolling out he's wearing jeans and a hoodie that he wore to archery <laughs> the other day i'm like what are you doing i'm like you're gonna wear that 
And he's like, what? I'm like, are you kidding me here, kid? Like, where's your hunting clothes? He's like, he just looks at me like a deer in headlights. And I'm like, Ugh. I'm like, well, okay, this, we're going to go find out why. So sure as shit, we get in there. And not only does he like his smell, we don't see anything. And he's cold. Well, yeah. I'm like, well, no shit, you're cold, dummy. You're wearing a fucking, you're wearing jeans, a t-shirt and a hoodie. I'm wearing long johns, a pair of jogging pants, a pair of pants, two jackets, a hoodie, and a, and, uh, a lined shirt. So, and I made him sit through it just so he gets the point. You think so about he got what it. you did. Yeah, you think about <laughs> what you did. So anyway, we didn't see anything in the tree stand. And it's funny because we're leaving. We're, we're driving out of there and we're, we're about maybe 20 minutes down the road. And there's a guy, there's um, a vehicle pulled over with its um, hazards on. And then as we get closer, we noticed a white-tailed doe got hit in the middle of the road. So we pull over, just got hit. And I was like, then it's just sitting there and it's freaking suffering, right? And the guy's like, what do I do? I'm like, I, I don't know. Like w- when I was a kid, you'd take a knife out, slit the thing's throat and put it out of its misery, right? Yeah. Can't get away with that anymore. So Which is unfortunate. Yeah. So anyway, but like I'm in full camel. Wyatt's got his car hearts and a camo jacket on. And so this lady pulls up and she's like, were you guys hunting? And I was like, yeah, we were. And she's like, she thought we, we were trying to hunt that deer on the road. <laughs> and I was like, and I, so I'm like, and I'm sitting there talking to the guy. She's like, I can't believe you effing assholes are sitting like, this is, I'm going to call the cops. And I'm like, yeah, well, he already called the cops. And I think she thought, I don't know what was going through her head. But I think she thought that he called the cops on us for hunting the deer in the middle of the road. And she's like, I can't believe like this is a, 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 a there's people living around here and you idiots are running around hunting. I'm like, hold on, hold on. First of all, what do you think's going on here? And she's like, you just, you fucking assholes are sitting around hunting and this fucking poor deer. And I'm like, okay, we were hunting. We're not hunting in the middle of the street. This deer was hit and like, we're trying to figure out how, if we, first of all, if we can help it back to life and she's like, I don't fucking believe you. Why would you try to help a deer back to life? If you're out there trying to kill it? and I'm like, this is completely different. Like, look at this poor thing. It's suffering. When we hunt, we're putting food in our freezer. This thing, we try to make sure it suffers very little. I'm trying to calm her down and explain it to her, but man, she was just livid. Didn't want anything to do with it. Got in a car and left. And Karen. Yeah. It's pretty funny. I was like, "What? What? Like, what do you think? We're sitting here hunting with my seventy thousand or my truck? Like, I'm going to be out hitting deer deliberately? Like, first of all, you you got to be pretty skilled to do that. Not to mention, that's a pretty expensive deer. No doubt. Yeah, unreal. I just I don't know what it is about people that it, I don't know if it's uh, an educational thing or like just too many people. That's against people that that are you know born and raised in the city but i guess maybe if you're not exposed to it as a kid and like grow up with it you just have these mentalities that are put on you know hollywood movies and all this kind of stuff you know guys you know i've seen so many movies where they they depict hunters and they show you know somebody way way in the back country and they're hauling around a six pack of beer you know oh, in know. the movie and you're just like 
How the fuck are you getting weighs? that beer in there? Yeah. Yeah, it's not happening. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I'm going to carry a, a bar, uh, six pack of bottled beer when I'm hunting elk. I, I, I know I've seen that too. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, but she came right unglued and I was like, lady, like I was trying very calmly to like explain to her, like, yes, we were hunting in the bush. And like the way I feel about this deer laying here is tor- is terrible. Like, this is not what I want. This is not what we're out doing. Like we yeah. put a lot of time and effort to it. I tried to explain it to her, but she just was not having it. She got in a car and took off. Yeah. She was, Sometimes she was it, pretty yeah. upset. It's too bad that they can't just some people just can't sit there and listen to to reason and stuff like that. Like, well, just you want mostly to it's common that? sense. Yeah. Yeah, like, come on, lady. I'm not running around trying to hit, run over deer with my truck. Oh man. Grab yeah. I, yeah. I so did you yeah. get your deer all cut up? Uh, yeah, it was all cut up. I think I did it within like, 48 hours. Yeah, I had it, I, uh, I let it hang for 24 hours and then just the way my schedule was working out and what I knew I already wanted done. Um, I didn't need to, I had no, no intention of leaving it hanging for a week or anything like that. I just basically cut everything. Most of it was going to go to different types of sausage that we wanted and some pepperoni. Yep. And then... Um, did you peek at the cut right app while you are doing it? I didn't need to with that. I've already done that. Like I've already looked at a lot of that stuff and I knew, I knew what I wanted. Yeah. If I would have gotten something bigger, not, and I mean like an elk or a moose, um, there's definitely some stuff on that cut right app I would have done and looked into. Um, there's some cool, that, that app's awesome. Like just some of the different stuff that you wouldn't normally get. Um, that's, but just, just having us with one deer though, my father-in-law just wanted some steaks. So I was like, well, I'll just take the back straps out and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And the rest, I, I already knew. Um, I wouldn't mind if I get an elk next year, I, I wouldn't mind trying, uh, surveying the shanks and stuff. Yeah. It, it really, I've heard it from multiple people now and I'm almost positive. Mike's got that on that app too. Like how to take that out properly. And then yeah, there's so much you can do with those shanks. And like, I am this year, I want to invest in a meat bandsaw. Oh yeah. Just, you know, then you can make those cuts and those, like all those fancy cuts and stuff. My brother had one and he, uh, he used to make really good cuts, but I think he ran it. Like he just didn't have room in his new place for it. So he ended up selling it, but. That's um, my problem here is I don't have enough room. I got to build a new. He didn't ever. He was like taking an ant, one animal every five years, so it doesn't oh. didn't really seem like he was worth it. So, yeah, yeah I, I'd like to invest in one of those. I got to get myself a cooler first before I worry about that because if I get something early season, I have to take yeah. it. You know, I got yeah. some good connections and stuff with with you know, it's not always the butcher. I got some other connections, but. There's a lot of stuff. If you're going to do it yourself, it's nice to whittle away at it. If you only got a couple hours, well, okay, let's go do this back quarter tonight. And then tomorrow I'll work on the other one and, you know, so on and so forth. But unless you got the time and this, you know, the space for all that stuff, it, it makes it a little, little harder. Yeah, we were, it was after I lost uh, a lot of that first elk I got in September that I, I invested in that cooler. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, walking cooler. And it, yeah, I mean, it, it's great. Now I don't have to worry, especially for spring bear, because I've had issues with spring bear. I find that spring bear is the hardest 
just to hang, keep cool and just the nature of, of bears in general. So yeah, yeah, it's, they're definitely worth, if you're going to be, you know, if you're relying on your harvest for all your protein, then that's definitely, it's a good investment. I think I paid 5,000 bucks for that, but I mean, it's worth oh, it. That's not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah. I think, I think within the next, I'd say three years tops, I got some other, some other rentals we're going to do to the house, not including what I'm doing in the basement right now. And I need a new shed. So it'll be, it'll be built around a corner cooler in there with, uh, I think we talked about, I forget if you have it or not, uh, one of those cool bots. So you can use a regular air conditioner and it overrides it. And they can keep it at refrigerator temperatures. Yeah, we um, talked about that before. And and that's like, I, I have a buddy too, who that's all he has. He's just got, you know, he's got these foam, steel foam filled panels. And he put together a room and cut a hole for an air conditioner, put it in there and a little little fan. And yeah, he it gets right down to zero degrees. Yeah. Yeah, if I had one of those, I'd be doing, I wouldn't care. I'd have everything designed so that I could hang an elk or, you know, moose quarters or whatever. Yeah. And then the, de the deer are always there. But, you know, for us here, usually by mid-October, I'm able to hang it in a garage and I don't have mm -hmm. to worry about it. And I just take it up to the in-laws garage, which isn't far from here. And that's where I do my butchering is up there when it's yeah. a deer and stuff. And, but yeah, we'll, we'll have yeah. to see, I well, guess. And it, it, in a place like Kelowna, for the size of it and the amount of hunters we have in Region 8 here, there's not a lot of butchers around and like trying to get your, when I was calling around because I was going on that, I had that mule deer hunt planned and I had a buffalo and an elk hanging in my cooler because I came, went on that buffalo hunt. I was home for a day and a half, left on that elk hunt and still hanging, came back and I was like, hey, I need to do something with this buffalo. So I called around to see if anybody could get to it. And I was like, I ended up just doing it myself. But I mean, I didn't do a great job. I was kind of a rush job. And I ended up doing both those and an elk. Um, just, but, you know, it is what it is. But it's nice to have that cooler because it's just one last thing you can worry, you have to worry about. Did you do anything with the cut rate app? Like any of the, the different um, cuts for certain meals or anything like that? No, like the elk, I've done so many elk, I didn't really need it. Um, okay. But like I, Mike and I were texting back and forth when I was doing the Buffalo. Yeah. And, you know, it would have been nice. Like it's too bad. Uh, we're not a little closer because it would have been great to get some of that on video and then have him where he's able to like show me the cuts just for other people. But I guess I'll just have to get another one. I guess he'll just have to come up here. But yeah. Well, okay, his, kids, gonna... his kid's not far play, playing hockey, but. You know. Oh, that's right too. I forgot about that. Yeah. So I have to re I should talk to that guy. Um, but anyway, let's get into some whitetail stuff. Um, what kind of questions did you get on your Instagram? Well, I got a few, I got actually quite a few uh some good ones there. Um, well, let's hear them. You know, one of the ones that this comes up all the time, doesn't matter where you're at. Um, best time of year to rattle in bucks. So I guess. I guess this kind of changes depending on where you are, because the rut's going to take place in a slight, you know, slightly different time frames, mm -hmm. depending if you're, you know, Northern Canada, Southern Canada, and then you start getting into the States. I mean, there's a big difference there. Um, I would assume that you and me are pretty close for timing wise being in Kelowna and I'm in Southeastern BC. For me in particular here, I find consistently 
the, the hardest time of rut is probably from, I'd say, November 15th to probably November, I don't know, 26th, somewhere in there, you know, give or take, depending on the year, what's coming in in the area you're in. But that's when I see the most activity and bucks cruising hard and coming into, uh, coming into rattling, coming into calls. Um, I don't, I don't know if you've noticed anything different where you are. We're about five and a half hours apart, right? Yeah. But I, I guess mean, as the bird flies, it doesn't, we're not far. No. And I mean, except elevation, you're a little higher than me. Uh, I mean, latitude, longitude, um, we're pretty close. I find about the same. It's usually like second to third week of November that it starts getting really heavy. Now, having said that, I have rattled in bucks as late as December 18th. Okay. Like coming in hard or just like curiosity? Well, a lot of them do come in just because they're curious. If they're in the area and they're close and they hear this rattling, they'll come just peak. But I have had them come in where they're not heavy like the heavy rut, but they'll come walking in. Yeah. December 18th. And I've also, that buck I shot... This buck here, I shot. It's uh, three on the three on the on the beam, and then a, a brow tine. I shot that buck late, like maybe last day or second to last day of December, and he was actually fighting with another smaller buck. Okay, so you know, but. The heavy, heavy stuff, yeah, middle to th second to third week, like middle to the latter. I'd say the probably the, the best, best if you're going to get serious about it. I mean, it's already passed now, but the last two weeks of November is yeah. if you're going to focus on rattling and like prime rut activity. I feel like you're going to, your best chance is the last two weeks of November around here anyway. And it does change. The more north you get, it's going to, it's going to be a little earlier. You get down south. Well, I, I don't know. I've never hunted down south, but um, so yeah. I mean, and and once you get out, you're gonna know, right? You get to a good spot, mind your wind, start hammering on that, you know, those antlers or rattle bag or whatever you're using. Yeah, you're gonna know if there's something around in the area because he'll come. Unless it's it's hard to say though, too, because I've also had bucks and seen bucks like sitting in a tree stand, and a buck's coming in. He's got two does with him, and then you rattle, and he'll push those does away but that's you know towards the end of november ish yeah i i wonder there's i would assume there's a lot of similarities between you know rut action when it comes to you know they each have their own personality some are more aggressive than others um you know i see the lot with with elk too kind of if you kind of compare them a bit you can have the same situation where that bull's got cows and stuff. And, you know, a lot of times you can set them off and they want to fight no different than whitetail, but there's other times too, where it's like, they just, like you say, you do a little too much when they're too close and they're just not quite in that right frame of mind. Yeah. And I've seen them take their does, you know, push them, whatever. And, uh, and they don't come in like they do, you know, like tomorrow or the next day or the next day, you do the exact same thing. And all of a sudden they're coming in hot and heavy and, yeah, and, and it never hurts to try. I mean, you're not going to, you know, especially in the late season, if we're talking late season for guys that are still trying to get out, like I've been waiting for Stuckless here to get uh, to get his mielder so we can get out and get this uh, get this hunt going, which 
Uh, we're going to be filming for his new show coming up on Wild TV. Um, I plan on doing some rattling. Yeah. Um, we, we're going to be sitting in a in a stand or a tree all day, and I plan on doing some rattling. And like I said, you know, you never know. Somebody might there might be a, a buck cruising around that's curious, or maybe he's bedded down close, and after enough listening to it enough, he's going to get up and come have a little peek. Now. The other thing that I've I've seen lots, I've done lots of reading on it for studies and stuff like that. What kind of rattling sequence do you do, or does it change depending on where you're at? Like I, I've I've personally read uh, some I forget which university it was down in the states, and uh, they were doing some testing uh, in some I think they were in some enclosed areas and not. And they were, they were just talking about rut activity, not type of, you know, big, huge or anything like that. They did talk about mature bucks and, and, and young bucks and whether you, uh, you know, duration, how long you rattle for, mm-hmm. whether you rattle super hard and loud. Um, I, so I think it, it depends on what, when you're going to rattle. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. if you're going to rattle like middle of November, I feel you're going to have to like, then you can just really hammer on those things and you're going to, you can really try to imitate yeah. those bucks fighting. And now I've witnessed, witnessed this and I've heard this sitting in the, in the tree or the blind, you hear deer, they lock up for a couple minutes and then they, they break off. Yeah. Right. And then they'll cruise around and then 15 minutes later, they'll go out and get it go at it again for like 30 seconds to a minute and just like not heavy like feet dug down like trying to you know impale each other yeah just like basically it's it to me it seems like what they're doing is like hey if there's a hot door around it's mine like they're just like trying to size each other up like who you know who's the bigger boy who's gonna get that last hot dough yeah you know so i think most of it has to do with timing like the sequence duration in the year like if you're if you're earlier you know, in the rut, you can really go hard and go heavy. And I don't think you can really have to worry about overdoing it as it gets later into the season into, well, I guess our season starts really early, but yeah, you know, it gets later into that rut season. You have to peter off a little bit and not be so heavy. And then late season, you know, maybe do it, do it for 30 seconds and then lay off it for, you know, 20 minutes and then do it again lay off for 20 minutes and just do it enough. So if there is something around, it's going to spark his curiosity enough to come have a look. That's usually how often I do mine. And same thing. Like I've, most of my luck is like, we just talked about mid to, to third week in November and I've had them come in pretty, pretty hot and heavy, but that's laying on them quite a bit. But yeah, I've never myself personally, I've never, uh, I've never done them any more than once every 15 minutes would be the earliest, but I'm usually like three times in an hour Mm -hmm. and just, you know, and whether I throw in some calls in between there too, whether it's some, some doe bleats or, or, you know, box grunting and, uh, and going around and that'd be the, the type of grunting that I've heard versus some videos and stuff that I've seen, man, they've just, I don't know if there's a set, uh, language, so to speak, or if everyone is just doing different things, you know, I don't know what you, but I've heard some really long grunts and, and, uh, and just short ones too, you know, like, 
Uh, uh. Kind of like the one that I shot as it's working its way down just this year. But uh, I, I don't, I think you can just kind of put your own personality into it, really. I don't know if there's... Uh... Yeah, I don't... I, I mean, I, I guarantee you, if you go down and talk to some of those guys down in the Midwest, or sorry, mid-USA, yeah, they're going to, you know, those guys, they're born and raised on whitetails. They're, they're going to know everything there is about them. Um, I'm sure if we ask some of them, they might know. But, I mean, in my experience, and it all depends, too, is like if, if, if the weather's like it is now, which is shitty right? It's been warm, dry, no moisture, no snow, no cold weather, tons of nocturnal bucks going on, lots of, lot, probably lots of nocturnal breeding. Um, You know, and it's getting down to the last, you know, few days, just go out and just try stuff because, you know, the chances of them coming into where you are are going to be slim because without any snow, cold weather, really pushing them around and changing their patterns to where you can kind of get into a place where you're going to be able to kill them. I mean, just throw it a Hail Mary. It never hurts to try, right? You're going to know if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Do you ever, uh, do you ever try anything? Like, do you have a, a game plan or anything for any, if you're in an area, like let's say where you guys got your stands and stuff and you know, you got a couple nice bucks that are running nocturnal, you gonna, is there anything in particular that you like to do to kind of hone in on? Did I mean, they got to be running somewhere. Or running? Well, just running through the area, you know, right. like, yeah, well, and know, I like do the... have, I do have areas with a lot of good, like not Boone and Crockett, but I'm talking, you know, probably, you know, four or five point on the brow or off the brow time. And then like, you know, good, I'd say 140, 150, all nocturnal. Now with no snow and like, luckily enough where I am, you can run bait, but I find when it's this warm and there's no snow on the ground, they're not really hitting those baits very often as much as they are. If there's a, you know, six inches of snow on the ground and if they have accessible food, they're going to come right to it. Yeah. Right. Um, that way they don't have to paw and scrape and dig through that snow to get to some food. But, um, yeah, you, you kind of just got to play the weather. Um, so, but like my plan is, you know, I am going to do some rattling and I sit in a tree stand and I'm just going to be in there all day. I'm just going to, you know, just try some rattling. Now, if you had, let's say there was snow on the ground, like there is for me here. Yeah. Would you, would you try finding, I guess we've talked about it before. Snow can be a great thing. Snow can be a shitty thing, depending on how loud it is and whether it freezes up and stuff. Um, I mean, those nocturnal box got to be somewhere during the daytime. Oh, yeah, yeah you know, they are. Isolating and, and, them, or is it just a matter well, of? No, I I've tried that before, and I'm like, man, if these bucks aren't coming to me, I'm going to go to them. And I'm like, man, it never works. They are for a reason. They're yeah, they're in there, they're in where they are, and they just they just don't want to come out. So like, if there is snow on the ground, what I'll do is I'll just I'll have trail cameras up, and if I see a buck that I want to go after on one of those trail cameras, I'll basically use that. I'll just put some bait out and I will sit on it for days until, you know, and then hopefully it gets, if you do get a cold snap or you get a day of heavy snow, you'll find like I find anyway, those bucks get up, they start moving around a bit. Or if it like the weather really changes, you know, those first couple days they're moving around. Yeah. 
So, and it's, then it's just like, it's, it's basically just a, it's just a waiting game. You got to get in there and just hunt all possible hours of hunting you can. Yeah. And then just hope that he's going to come out. And like, that's every whitetail's worst nightmare is nocturnal bucks. Right. But like, I've seen them, I have very little pictures of bucks um, throughout the day this year. Oh, really? Yeah. Some of my, my one target buck there, actually the one that I just posted on Instagram there. Um, those pictures there, the time was off a little bit on the uh, camera there, but uh, that thing there was within, I think within an hour, maybe not even of daylight. So to me, depending on where that guy was, I'd be really interested. And this, this winter, I'm hoping he still made it. If another lucky hunter got him, great. You know, congratulations to them. But I'd like to set, you know, kind of go in there with snowshoes and and look for some big track and kind of see if I can figure out, you know, the patterns and stuff that those guys go for next year and just kind of learn and be like, okay, if he's coming from, I got to find out where point A is, where he's coming from. Because if he's coming through this one camera just after dark, he's moving in the daytime through the bush somewhere. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. where do I got to get to? And not necessarily track them down in a bed or anything per se, because it's a long ways in there. It's a lot of noise, but you know, where can I potentially set up and wait where it's daytime hours where he is going to come through. And that's how I like to do it. I'm always looking for, always looking presently for, for the animals, but I'm always looking for those beat down trails, depending on the time mm-hmm. of year. And it's like, okay, for next year, I'm going to learn something for next year, this year, while I'm trying to hunt these guys and, make a better, better play and come in on a different area, learn the winds, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Let's speaking of these nocturnal bucks. So like I've got trail camera pictures on my phone here and like, you look at this one buck on this spot I'm at 2.31 AM. There's no snow on the ground. 2.31 AM. He's there. 2.39 same day. Next day, 5, 5.45 AM. He's there. Next day, 4.25 AM. Still no snow on the ground. Second day, 2.29 a.m., okay? And then it snowed that day, that night, 7.29 a.m. the next day, he's sitting there. So it's pretty close to daytime there. It is daytime. You can well, see the light. You can see the light in the background. Um, Yeah, and he's, you know, but it's snowing, right? And so yeah. that snow overnight just changed his pattern a little bit. But then that snow melted. And then he went back to his regular routine. Now I'm looking at these pictures, 1.30, 12.30, 4.30. Yeah. So it's that really, that's that weather, that change in the weather. I don't know if they can sense the, you know, the barometric pressure changing or, you know, that just they feel the temperature on their, on their skin. I find when they, when it does change a little bit, then they start just like the pattern changes enough in it. If you, that's why I'm always looking at the weather. So, you know, if you're in this type of the, you know, December 10th, this time of the year, look at the weather, try to plan your days around something in the weather that's going to change where you're going to go sit. To get them out of being nocturnal, I mean, you know, it's once they, that's the thing about those whitetails is once they go, you know, they love to be nocturnal and the bigger they get, the more nocturnal they are. That's why they're big. But I mean, they do cruise around and. Um, but no, I, I never try to go 
yeah, I have tried to get to them before and it, it never worked. I end up just spooking them out of the area and never seeing them again. Yeah. Do you find when like I don't get to sit over bait here um in my region as we've talked about before, but if you are sitting over bait, do you change any of your uh calling tactics at all? Or like do you prefer to stay quiet? Do you well do you you know, not necessarily rattle, but do you grunt at all? Or does it strictly just depend on what's going on in the area? It kind of just depends on what I'm like the weather. So if there's no weather, like if there if there's food everywhere, yep. you know, I, I just don't find that they're going to be hitting. Like you do see one cruising around and he'll pick at it. Not necessarily a buck, maybe a doe. But if like there's six inches of snow on the ground, there's deer at that food source constantly, right? You're going to yep. go pick your trail camera over a week. You got... 3,000 pictures, right? It's just constantly, there's constant activity at those things. And, yeah. But if it's like now where there's no snow, it's no cold weather, they're just kind of, you know, they have food everywhere. So there's really no need to go pick at that available food that's that's sitting yeah. there. So if there's no snow, when I go out, I will do some rattling. If there's snow on the ground and there's activity at those baits constantly, I'm just going to sit and just wait and be patient, just be quiet. Yeah. And then it's basically just a waiting game, right? Um, so, and then you're just, again, like I, I just praying for cold weather and I kind of base my trip, my day, my hunt, whenever I'm going to go, like if it's coming up and it's going to be a colder, like I'm looking at it be like, okay, wow, the, you know, the temperature between yesterday and tomorrow or today and tomorrow, it's dropping seven degrees. I'm going to go hunting that next day. Yeah. So it, it all depends. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's not, uh, it's never a given either, right? Like I've sat in those blinds lots on those cold days oh, and man. nothing's come out, but I find when it's really cold and we're talking really cold, those deer don't stay they don't stay bedded down for very long well i find to a point i'm just assuming i'm no scientist or anything like that but from what i've seen too when it's super cold um it's just like us if we sit still for too long you end up yep. getting cold and i yep. just find it's not that they don't bed down lots i just find it's for shorter periods of time they'll go bed down they'll relax they'll chew on their cud and then they're up and moving again and then just on repeat and repeat, but mm -hmm. I never see them bedded down for huge amounts of time when you get that big, big cold snap. No, me either. And like that's as hard as those are for us to sit in. And that really comes down to gear, right? Like, you know, yeah. if you're going to be serious about whitetail hunting, it's worth investing in, you know, some electric heated clothing. Cause like, man, I ran that stuff last year and what a difference it made. What all do you have? I just steal Evie's vest. That's the only thing I have. We have socks, here. long johns, oh, okay. like pants, shirt, vest, and gloves. I don't. I hate like my my hands are. I don't like any wearing gloves, and my hands have been cold enough. Like back to the fishing days, my hands were so cold. I remember we were fishing on Boxing Day. Like we left Boxing Day to go out fishing, and it was so fucking cold on the West Coast. I remember when I got back, like my, when I was out there, all my fingertip nails, not all of them, but a, bu a bunch of them turned black because really? my hands swelled up because they were got like, they're just so fucking nasty. And then about two days later, some of my fingernails started falling off. They're so fucking cold. But, oh, um, man. 
anyway, but I don't wear gloves. But what I do wear is, you know, those hand warmers you wear around your waist. Yeah. <clears throat> Best thing ever. If you buy them at Cabela's, they're like 30 bucks. Best thing ever. I never so. thought about that. I should look at those because that's my biggest thing is I've got poor circulation in my my hands and my feet. Yeah, well, when you're a working man, your hands, not only you don't have a lot of feeling because like how many times you cut your hands, you smash yeah. your hands, like your nerve endings, they do, you know, they, they're they just working man hands. So they don't work in don't as probably as good I as... Look, well, half the time I'm bleeding, I look down, but I wonder when that happened. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, the, you know what I'm talking about? They clip on your around your yeah. waist and they're like a little like a little fanny pack you put your hands on the sides they got a zipper on the front best thing ever for white tail like blind or tree stand sitting best thing ever they got a little zipper on them man they just keep your hands perfectly warm in there so nice i'm gonna have to invest in one of those i think yeah what else you got for questions uh i've got uh I guess when you're when when we're in uh, hunting in peak rut, do you you kind of answered it to a point? Do you prefer to uh, slowly timber cruise or sit on a bait pile? For well, you you can hunt over bait. Um, I can't, so I'm forced to either sit in a crossing area, you know, after I've scouted out an area, or I'll timber cruise. But a lot of, like, I'm not like steady walking, like I will sit, I'll cruise, cruise, cruise until I find a spot. And then mm-hmm. it's like, okay, this looks like a good spot. I'm going to sit for a while, see what happens. And then yeah. I'll cruise again. Kind of like a combination of still and ambush hunting, move a little bit, hunker down, do some rattling for a couple hours. Yeah. Wait, nothing's, you know, nothing's coming around, move again, really slowly, you know, try not to make much sound and always walk into the wind, never walk with your wind to your back. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do that too. Um, not we're talking often. slow, slow walking binos are up. I mean, half the time I just leave my binos out of my, uh, when I'm whitetail hunting specifically, I don't even put them back in my bino harness because I'm only taking four or five steps, maybe stopping glassing mm-hmm. just cause they're, they seem to be around every corner when you don't expect them to be. Yeah. And like I, when I'm sitting in a blind or a tree stand, I don't even bring binoculars. That's fair enough. Yeah. I just use, well, I also have, I I don't glass as much like I do a lot of glassing through my rangefinder. That's why I invest in a really good rangefinder with good glass and good magnification, just because especially bow hunting, you know, everything's in close and tight. Like with that Leopold rangefinder I have, I can still I can see really good with it really clear. So I just use that. I just don't want especially on my chest. I just would rather not have any have anything. The less the better, right? Well, that makes sense. And the last question I've got here, a uh, pretty good one actually, is uh, if you're e-scouting for whitetail, what are you looking for? Um, man, I don't even, I don't, uh, to be honest, like, I, I guess I don't do a lot of, I don't really do e-scouting for whitetail, but I, I think the biggest thing is like, man, it's tough. I mean, you're, you kind of, you kind of find whitetail areas just getting out and look like looking for other stuff like spring bear hunting. You know, you're finding areas where you have, you know, deciduous trees, you got, you know, the slopes that they like. Um, they don't like areas like mule deer, right? They don't like that dry, piney, sagey, steep stuff. You know, they like a little, 
easier hills, little flatter hills. They like the deciduous trees. Um, water is a big thing. Obviously, they don't, you know, mule deer, they can be in an area for seven days, five, six, seven days without water, it seems like. But the, the um, whitetail, they're they're not the same. Um, I don't find them a pie as much. Never find them a pie. Um, so it's kind of always in the same areas. And once you find these areas where you found whitetail and you know what holds whitetail, you can kind of notice it, especially in British Columbia. You can be driving down the road and be like, wow, this looks like a good spot for whitetails, you know? You're probably going to find whitetail in there. Probably going to find whitetail. Yeah, they very seem to be very specific in like the terrain and topography. Um, that I guess like. it depends on where you're at too, like to compare here versus somewhere down south in the States. You know, it could be totally different. Even where well, I am yeah. here and, and where you are, it's it's going to, there'll be a lot of similarities, but there'll be a lot of, a lot well, yeah, of I mean, if you're in Alberta or Saskatchewan, obviously, yeah. like, I don't think there's anywhere they don't like. I mean, obviously, you get to the northern stuff where it gets really cold and swampy and stuff like that in Saskatchewan. And then in Alberta, it gets back into, you know, a little higher elevation and more mountainous regions. But down, you know, the southern parts, man, I just, like, they're everywhere, right? I don't yeah. really feel like there is. If I'm going into a new area here, like if I'm trying to find my plan B, C, D, E, F, you know, just trying to scout out some new areas. Um, around here, I'll particularly look for cut blocks. And it's not that I'm hunting the cut blocks themselves. It's I'm hunting the tree lines. Because um, either, regardless whether they're in those cut blocks feeding at night or whatever, it doesn't matter to me. I just want to find the trails. And I find a lot of rub lines uh, from the bucks, you know, just inside of those, those cut blocks a lot. So a lot of times I'll look for, you know, adjoining ones that have timber strips in between them, but maybe there's another road that goes up top. And then, you know, just for access and stuff like that, uh, I, I tend to work the edges there. And then I'm looking for draws uh, just for the water aspect too. If I'm, if I'm a ways from the, you know, if I'm not super low elevation, uh, mm-hmm. I'm never re- super high either. Like you say, I, I don't tend to find them really high. It's usually meal deer area for, for around here for when it comes to that, but yeah, draws with water, thick, thick timber leading into, you know, thins out as it gets into the edge of these cut blocks for, for where I am here in particular. Mm-hmm. And then if you get into the wetlands, there's deer in the wetlands everywhere here, but they're freaking hard to hunt down there. I can tell you, yeah. yeah, there's big bucks go down there. Good luck. And if you can't, yeah, I'm going to go hunt them. And then you get down there and you realize that thick shit that they're in and how noisy it is down in there. Um, they got to walk out right in front of you a lot of places. It's just, it's hard to hunt them down in there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's all different. I think you got to kind of just go out and like for e-scouting for, I don't do a lot of e-scouting though. Um, I'm sure Mark would tell you that I don't do enough. Yeah. But um, I just like, I hunt specific areas I hunt and I know those areas so well and they've just always produced, right? So it's like, yeah. if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But um, I think if I was going into a new area and I was looking at some maps, I would just look for, like, especially, you know, in British Columbia, um, low grade mountains with some deciduous trees and water. Yeah. Um, I, I got a few questions on my Instagram here. I was looking, actually, I was looking at, we, we got talking about rubs and scrapes there. And I found a lot of scrapes, a lot of rubs this year because 
the ground was exposed and like rubs and scrapes, not always like they could just be, you know, a, a tree can be falling down and there could be a, a one branch hanging off it. And sure shit, right? You look at the ground, it's all scraped up. And then, you know, that was a rub or the, sorry, that was a scrape, right? And I, I found a lot more scrapes this year and I was looking for them a lot more than I have in the past. But I, I found a lot of scrapes and I put trail cameras on there and they're always like different bucks coming there just to check it out. So I found they using that, are they using on those scrapes? Are they use are they rubbing their, their foreheads on that little branch that's hanging over or something like that? Like a licking yeah, branch? So, yeah. So like the, like this one area found this tree had fallen down, just say for instance, this tree had fallen down and there was a branch sticking out of it or just one branch hanging down off the tree. And there was some exposed, like the something had been rubbing on the dirt and I go up and you can smell it, right? You can actually smell it on there. And you look down and yep, they're pawing at the ground and they're just, they're putting their scent on it. So they'll go up and they'll rub their mouth on it and right, they'll get, you know, their scent glands on their antlers, they'll rub those yeah. on it. And so I put a trail camera there and sure as shit, they're those, one buck always coming back, other bucks coming to take a sniff. A couple of bucks would go and they'd put their scent on there, right? And then you'd see some does come around and they'd sniff the shit out of it. Yeah. You know, and then this one area, 100 yards away, I found another one, a real big one. And you can tell that this one has been used over and over throughout the years. Okay. Like it's a lot deeper, a lot bigger. I didn't stick a trail camera on that because I stuck on that one because I stuck it on the one behind, but um, it's in the same area. Um, so I imagine that there's a lot of whitetail activity in this area. So, you know, they're, they're those bucks. Yeah. They come check out those scrapes, I think constantly. And I started making a lot of mock scrapes this year and they work, man. They're like, they definitely work. And like, um, you know, my brother, he, he's a big whitetail hunter and he does a lot. He does guiding for whitetails, Jim. So, you know, I talked to him about it, kind of picked his brain on just like scrapes and mock scrapes and stuff like that. And he kind of helped me along the way. And, um, yeah, they, they definitely work. Um, it's, it's a good tool to have. And I find they're definitely bucks are coming back to check their scrapes and yeah. other bucks are checking other buck scrapes as well. I found, uh, I did one, I, I've actually, I've been posting a lot of videos off it, but, uh, I've got one set up in one area and the elk like it just as much, if not more really, <laughs> than the whitetail, which was a total shocker to me. Um, I set it up specifically for whitetail just to see, you know, cause I'd heard about them. I was like, well, I'll try making one. And it was unreal. Like it works so good. The only disappointing thing is again, and I don't know if it's province wide or if it's just my region again, is I can't put those drippers on it. Cause you can get drippers that hang off your monk. You hang them right above. Like if you're hanging a stick down off like a suspended rope or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, when it gets colder out, you, you have your scent inside it. And then as it warms up, it allows the dripper to drip. So it tends to theoretically bring the bucks in because the fresher scent is during the warmer times, which is theoretically during the daytime and bucks, you can slowly start to get them to come in. Not always, but enough during the daylight hours uh, by using them, but we're not allowed to use them here in region four. What the fuck is going on in region four? I don't know. Why don't they just it's... shut the deer hunting down if they don't like you guys getting any? I I don't know. They uh, I, I've talked to a couple CEOs about it, and uh, they're just like that. 
actually it they don't believe it was the intended purpose for like the way that it's written in the regs but they're like the way that it's written in the regs it just ended up covering that aspect by accident because that, it's not the because it's not that you can't use scent it's you can't use any permanent it's something along the lines of you can't use any permanent affixed you know chemical or bait or anything like oh, yeah. that that's well, what i do is I, I do is i'll i'll when i'm making a mock scrape so i'll find a spot where there's looks like there's been deer activity and then just slightly off of that i'll go and i'll i'll rub the ground with my boot kick up all that fresh dirt yeah the tree and but it, it's got to have something hanging down like a licking branch directly yeah. above it so then i'll do that and i'll take my mock scrape scent and i'll take the branch and if it doesn't already have some of that old man's beard on it, I'll take some old man's beard, wrap it around that thing, trying to touch the branch as least amount as possible. Yeah. Wrap it around so it's almost like a sponge. Take the bottle and like jam the stick inside the bottle. Yeah. And then just pull the bottle away and then it'll drip. And then I just pour a little bit on the ground as well. And then I back out. And it yeah. seems to be working. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And that's that's stuff that you you can't do that. In region four two, you just can't leave anything there that's yeah. gonna drip. Yeah, so, I find if you're leaving, like I think not leaving human things in the bush is the best. Yes. So I got a question here, but we kind of just already talked about how often do they come by a well-used rub tree with a fresh scrape? Well, um, depending on the type of year, I think you know, during pre-rut, I think it's gonna be a lot more. Um, but like I said, I have found rut or uh, those rubs recently. And there is still deer coming to check them out, but there's no snow on the ground. So I think that's kind of a plays a big picture or a big part of it as well is if, you know, there's it's buried in six inches of snow, they're not going to utilize it as much. Um, so another question here, what determines if you're going to hunt in a blind area, weather, wind. So I yeah. think they're asking what, what determines whether you're going to hide, going to hunt, sorry, in a blind Is it weather, wind? For me, it's neither. My blind is already set up. I do have multiple blinds. So the wind switches all day and I'm in there all day. So I don't really pay too much attention to weather or wind. Yeah. Um, I know guys that are hunting, but you also got to remember that I'm hunting in a thick, in a tr timbered area. I think if you're going to be hunting in an area that's core, that's overlooking or entering a field, it's going to be a little bit different, right? You can, I know my brother, he's, he runs multiple stands or multiple setups on each side of a field just so, and he does, he does check the wind. If, if, if he looks at the wind for a morning, he's going to go for a morning sit and he realizes that it's going to be bad wind. He won't go sit in that blind. He'll go sit or that tree stand. He'll go sit in another one. I just find for myself, I'm in such a timbered area and I'm, you're in there all day that the wind does switch. You know, you're going to get thermals changing throughout the day. Wind just switches during the day. I've never, you know, I've had bucks come in. I've had good wind and bad wind bucks still come in. Right. So um, one thing I do is I do on my blind, I do scent control on top of my blind. So like, if you were to smell my blind, you'd be like, like my wife's like, fuck those things stink. Right. They smell like deer piss. Is that what you're putting on them? Yeah. I just, I dump, you know, I put little, you know, the 
female deer piss, I'll put yeah. that on there, right? I mean, they're still going to be able to smell you, but it's also a smell that they're familiar with, right? And yeah. there is, it, it's inevitable, it's 100% pos- like impossible to absolutely eliminate 100% of your smell. So, and it's also one of those things too, is like, I do put the blind in early. So I'll, I'll have an area, I run a lot of trail cameras for whitetail. If I find, you know, say you're running two blinds and two tree stands, whatever area is putting up some bucks that I want to target, that's where I'll, I'll focus on. And that's where I'll put up my, my blind or my tree stand. And with my blind, yeah. I'll put it in there for a week before I go sit in it. Um, So they're already used to a bit of that smell. Cause like when you go in there, I, I think you, you have to get them used to a bit of your smell yeah. like, or just be comfortable with it with, you know, like, okay, I do smell that smell I'm familiar with for the last seven days. Nothing's bad happens when I come, come yeah. here. So they're going to just assume it's the same all the time. Right. Well, they seem to be pick. They seem to be able to pick off if there's a stick out of place in their oh, yeah. area too. Yeah. So it's like the first day they see that blind or whatever, they're going to be potentially spooked by it but like you say after a few days or whatever it's like oh i don't know what it is but yeah and they'll come up yeah yeah exactly like they you might see the day after you set your blind up that there's no deer in your trail camera yeah but then the second day there's a couple and then the third day there's a little bit more right they kind of get used to be like okay whatever that is it's obviously not a threat because it hasn't moved right maybe you know maybe a tree fell you know to them they don't they don't know all these little they don't really know what it is. They just know that it wasn't there yesterday. Yeah. But eventually they get cool with it, but they have to, or else they're never going to come in. Like those, say those bucks that don't get used to it and they don't come in, they're not going to come in. But if you don't have the blind there, you're not going to kill them anyway. Right. Yeah. So they're not going to, if they don't come in, they don't come in. So you just got to focus on the ones that will. Yeah. Yeah. And for, for me personally, I don't have any of those full blinds. Um, I don't have anywhere where I would feel safe that somebody wouldn't take them. To be honest, there's just so many hunters where I am. Even if I try to go into some back areas, it just seems to always be people. But uh, I do have one of those pop-up half blinds. And I find I decide if I'm going to sit in one spot for a good chunk of the day, I'll try to find like a fir tree or something like that. It's got some nice big branches over top. And it's kind of like my, my backdrop, like I'll sit against it and I'll just sit there and I'll put that half blind up. And then it's under the big fir trees. It's usually a lot less snow and stuff, but this time of year, like with some of the funky weather we're getting, when we do get lots of snow and then it, you know, warms up a bit and then it freezes again, it's so loud out there that sometimes like you're not going to be able to sneak up on a deer. There's no, it's just not going to happen. It gets so loud. So a lot of times it's like, okay. This is my area. This is where I'm going to sit. Wind or no wind. You know, I might change my ridge, which side I sit on for that time period, but I'm not going to be up moving around consistently throughout the day. Cause like you say, the winds do change so much, but I will try to, you know, if it's blowing hard from the South, well, I'm going to go to the North end more or less of that ridge, mm-hmm. avoid it as much as possible. And I'm just going to sit and wait there. Yeah. And, and I see how you're, you're carrying that around with you. So you have that ability. Whereas if you already have yeah. a, a blind set up in an area, you're, you're pretty much, if the wind's bad that day, you can't pick up that blind and move it to another, move it to That's the right. other side or move it around in there because it it's, takes, you know, a week 
10 days for those deer to get used to that blind being in the position it's in. But like I said, you already have a bit of your smell on there. So if there is unfavorable wind, they're going to be somewhat used to your smell. So if you're sitting in it, they're like, you know what? Something doesn't smell great, but I've, I've smelled, I'm familiar with that smell. It smelled like that for the last couple of days. So like I, there is a part of me that is like, well, you know, I do try to mask scent, but not entirely whereas i still want a bit of my smell so they get used to a bit of human scent on you so they do feel comfortable coming in to the area where you want to kill them because if they're completely afraid of your smell 100 you're not going to be able to i mean you can control it 100 but sitting in the blind it's so tough right especially yeah. like i said if you're in there for eight nine hours that wind thermals are going to change throughout the day wind's going to swirl it's going to be complete. Like it's going to be really, really hard to completely eliminate it. So I accept the fact that I'm not going to be able to control it 100%. I'm okay with the deer smelling a bit of me because then they get used to it over time. Yeah. Do you use, since you have permanent, well, so to speak, permanent blind setup, do you ever use any of those like Mr. Buddy heaters or anything like that for those cold, cold days? Uh, I have used them. And it hasn't made any difference. I've used those in a blind and I've had deer come in and I've killed deer. I don't use them anymore just because I don't like packing them in and out. Yeah, that's fair. Now I invested in a heated suit so much better. And the thing, the nice thing about that heated suit is you're not wearing a bunch of layers. Now, the thing is wearing a bunch of layers is fine if you're holding a gun, but when you're drawing, sitting down, drawing back with your bow, you have a lot of puffiness that's going to affect it's yeah. going to push against your string it's going to change your string angle on your peep sight the way you're looking through your sight all those things come into fail um, play and even having a thick face mask you know like a wool face mask it's going to mess up your anchor so you know i don't i run very little i try to you know the heated suit's great for bow hunting it's thin, sleek. I don't have to wear a bunch of layers. Still keeps me warm. I mean, I'm still cold, but it keeps me warm enough where, you know, I don't have to really layer up or carry one of those body heaters. Those body heaters, they do work, but I mean, your blind is already open anyway. Yeah. So it does let a lot of heat out. And I don't like carrying those things around. They're the shits to carry around. Yeah. Um, scent control. Kind of, we kind of just talked about that, eh? Like, um, you know, play the wind. Like, if you're still hunting or doing what you're doing, then you can play the wind. If you're now, I do have different areas set up, but again, like, if I'm going in there all day, I'm not going to be like, the wind's doing this. I'm going to go into that area. I'm just not going to worry about it. Does rattling work in the late season? Yes, it does. Like I said, I've rattled in bucks, you know, late, late season, December 18th. I've heard them. No, not December, like late in the season, December 18th. That one day was when I heard those bucks, you know, sparring around. Um, so, yeah, late season rattling does work, I think. And they also have a second rut. So, I mean, you know, that's it's a good tool to utilize, especially if you're in an area where you can't bait. It's not an option. I mean, you're going to be sitting in a tree stand. You got to do something. Plus, it helps you from going oh. bonkers sitting in that blind or that tree stand for eight, nine hours a day is if you can keep yourself busy a little bit, it breaks up the, it, it breaks up the monotonous of monotony of sitting in that tree stand. I've done a lot of sitting for elk and stuff in a tree stand, depending on the time of year. 
I've done a little bit for whitetail. Boring. Yeah, super boring. <laughs> I mean, it can be exciting when they come in. Oh, dude. But, like, and, oh, and that's man. one thing. Jay and I were talking the other day about he went on. Uh, did you see that video he posted or he made? So he went to Saskatchewan. We're talking about um, Jay Nickel, Mindful Hunter. And did you see that video he posted of his um, release? Pulling out, or his, he had the, he was shooting the white and the glue let go. No. So anyway, sitting in this blunt, just tree scent for like six days and his biggest buck he ever seen walks and he goes to draw back and his rest pulls off his bow. No. Yeah. So his his rest pulled off. He got, ended up getting the shot, right? Like everything like, oh, he obviously hit his release, hit the, hit the deer, hit it, found a little bit of blood, couldn't find it. Uh, But him and I were talking anyway, where I was going with this was him and I were talking is like, there's nothing gets your heart pumping after sitting in a tree stand or a blind for like three, four days and seeing nothing. Then all of a sudden something walks in and you can hear its feet going just slowly coming in that snow. And you're like, yeah, fucking time. Don't screw up. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Don't screw up. Don't fail me, Bo. Um, do you find bucks go nocturnal in the late season? We already covered that. Yes. Um, tree stand or blind more effective Ooh, that's a tough one i think it depends on where you're at and your situation yeah like my me personally i like i like the tree stand more okay i just like you have more you can see more number one right like you do your blind is is open right you can see you know you still get a good view when you're in a tree stand, you're up high, you have elevation, you have 360 view. I personally like a tree stand more, yeah. but there is some benefits to a blind and there is some benefits to a tree stand. Number one, a blind's way easier to set up. And yeah. if it's no good, it's way easier to move. If you have to move it, um, you are, you can get away with a lot more movement in a blind than you can and you know like a tree stand so i mean it all like you said it all depends on where and when you're setting it up um i'm assuming this person's asking about the late season because that was kind of my question was the late season i have right now i have two tree stands and two blinds set up so and it all depends basically you know where i feel is going to be the best chance of me getting a buck during the day is basically um, determined where I'm going to set. So, so I'm going to assume that you have permanent tree stands. Yeah, well, they're hanging tree stands, right? Like they're up. Well, see, I've got. Tree. Yeah, I've got a climber though. Is what I'm getting at. Like I've oh, got yeah. a climbing. I got a climber, so I can. All I have to do is have trees that are prepped or they're already, you know, relatively straight, no branches, and I can get high enough and I can climb them. Yeah, yeah. I um, don't. Mine's already in there, so I just got to climb okay. a tree and get in there. It doesn't have a ladder. You just climb. Oh, okay. climb into it right it's just a single um wide and i do have an area another one set up in town here but yeah. where i do all my whitetail hunting which is two hours away i have two tree stands and two blinds set up gotcha so um and it all depends what you're doing too if you're by yourself now if, if you're by yourself definitely i find a tree stand is a lot better 
than a blind. But if you're with, you know, your kid or you're with a buddy, I feel like a blind is a little better. Yeah. Just because there's a lot, inevitably there's a lot of movement. Um, try to limit the talking as much as you can. It's really hard when you're with somebody, especially a kid trying to get them to stop moving around or be quiet is tough. So, I mean, yeah, like you said, it's all, it all basically dependent on where you're hunting and when you're hunting and, um, what you prefer. I, I prefer if, uh, a tree stand myself. Yeah. If I could find an area where actually I did where I set up my trail camera for the winter for close to where I got my whitetail this year. First thing I'm always doing is looking for trees that can potentially pack in my climber. If it's not too far, it does turn into a backpack, but they're not the most comfortable things mm-hmm. um, to bring in. And uh, the only thing I got to check is a couple of the trees are fucking big firs, which are my favorite because those climbers really dig into them, mm-hmm. especially in the winter time. Um, <laughs> but they might almost be too big to get my climber around, which is a pretty big tree, but the cables are only so long on those things. I got a funny story about it since we're on these tree stands. So a couple of years ago, sitting in this tree stand and I had my tree stand looped around the tree and then it kind of went up a bit and looped around a branch, caught a branch at the, t- like above it. Right. So it wasn't perfectly tight around the tree. This is when I first started yeah. hanging them. And my thinking was like, I'm going to loop it around. And then in the back behind it, it's going to go up a little bit higher. Right. And so yeah. it's not perfectly tight. Like it was tight as hell. Cause you ratchet strap it on there, but it wasn't perfectly circuit. Like it wasn't on the sit, like a perfect circle around the tree. So I'm sitting in the tree stand and all of a sudden the branch that it's sitting on breaks oh, no. and the fucking tree stand fell like an inch and I fucking nearly shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I was always like, well, fuck on I like a harness. I'm not wearing a harness. I, I wear a harness now. Right. Um, but I was like, holy f- talk about fucking one inch heart attack. Oh my God. Oh, so if you are hanging these things, don't put them around a, bra- a, a branch on top, put them directly around the tree and just ratchet them. Not too tight where you're going to snap the freaking thing, which I've done as well. Put them snug because that will, like, they do bite into a tree. And, but just make sure that that cable is perfectly in a perfect circle or around the tree, not up around a branch. But talk about fucking heart attack, man. Oh, man. And for anybody out there that is in a tree stand or whatever, wear a bloody harness. I've seen yeah, too harness. many pictures. Safety first. Because you can be like, oh, I'll just do this one time without. No, it'll be that one time. And something happens. You slip, you fall, whatever. And you're affected the rest of your life. Like, yeah. just, just wear your harness. It's just, you don't yeah, feel we, them after we a have one of those, uh, We have one of those, um, the tree stand that Wyatt and I are sitting in, it's not very high. It's about 10 feet off the ground. And it's got the, the latch that comes out. I'm not wearing a harness in that, but Wyatt is. Yeah. But I'm 10 feet off the ground. And like, if I fall, like... If it starts to come down, as long as the kid's okay, I mean, I'm pretty confident. Ten feet, I'll be okay. Famous last words, but we'll see. He's got the harness anyway, not me. So I put it on him. Yeah. 
yeah, I've always got mine. I'm scared of heights anyway. So well, I'm, when I'm by myself, uh, I like especially by you by yourself, you got to wear it. And like one other thing yeah. I do is I always carry my Garmin with me, and I stick it in my pocket. Like I don't carry a backpack in there. I try to keep as little like as light as possible. But I have my Garmin that has the SOS on it. I always I always carry that all the time. And people should too. Even if you go and check and trail cameras, you should carry it because fuck man, you never know roll an ankle or yeah. I've always got especially mine when my, you're getting my bio is, harness. Yeah, so it's right there by my chest. I don't have to reach for it or anything. Yeah, well, especially when you get to your age, you got to start thinking my your body's going to break down. You're the old part in this conversation, <laughs> not me. How to stay awake in a blind? Holy fuck, that's that's tough. You have to almost like I remember it does get easier the longer you do it, and you just have to trust that if you can sit there as long as you can and always think there's a deer coming around the corner. But it's tough. It's tough to stay awake, like. I've fallen asleep in a blind before and you wake up, you're like, holy fuck. I, it's I just, funny. <laughs> I just expect to fall asleep. I'm, yeah, I'm, you, I'm you trying not it. to. I just, yeah. My, my focus is more I think train, I your, told, train yeah. yourself not to snap out and make a big move when you realize you're sleeping. Well, and that's <laughs> the worst part. Like, you know what I mean? And that's what I'm always paranoid about. You're going to sleep and then you're going to like, you know, yeah. kick or stutter. And then all of a sudden that buck that was sitting at the, sitting in front of you is going to spook off but uh <laughs> i've also done too is like i've put you know after you you sit in a tree uh, a blind for you know you're getting on those days i've put like listen to audiobooks and just put one in oh, my yeah. ear and just had it really low just so you can hear someone talking to just to kind of you know keep your focus on something i've done that i don't do it anymore um but i have done it now i just I'm always just like, yeah, that fucking box five minutes away and just keep thinking of that. And every five minutes I have to reset my thinking and be like, hey, he's right there. He's coming in. Eating and I, drinking food in a blind. I don't do either. No? No. Because I got one that goes into that. It's not a question I got, but I've seen it come up a lot of times. What are your favorite snacks to bring? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't do either. No? No. I'll just, I don't eat or drink in a blind. I'll just sit there all day. Really? um not me i get too well angry. i'm yeah i'm yeah you probably do get angry <laughs> well, i do yeah <laughs> i'm a sandwich <laughs> <laughs> we all we all have heard what it's like when you don't have it. somebody what was yeah. it somebody's gonna get hurt if i don't have a fucking sandwich here yeah <laughs> um yeah i just find up you know they're not super long sits i mean you okay. know it's dark till dark but still it's eight hours like I can go eight hours without food or water. I'm not moving around a lot. Um, I wish. What else we got here? Calling techniques. Rattling. I don't really do a lot of bleak or grunts. Um, I've never really found they work. Um, maybe to stop a deer from moving. Yeah, I'll do them. But I mean, rattling to me is the best one. Do their patterns change in the late season? Yes. I mean, this year because of the crappy weather, I have had very little um, daytime bucks show up on cameras. So there's really not a huge change in the daytime activity or in the early season, or I shouldn't say early season because our early season is like September 1st, which is ridiculous. I don't see rut activity. I didn't see a change in the rut activity from this year to where I'm seeing now pretty much. I'm still, you know, when there was that, the biggest thing that I, I'm finding shifts their pattern is weather yeah so again focusing on looking at the weather 
you know, fingers crossed, hopefully you're going to get some good weather, get some cold, get some good snowfall, and you'll find those bucks, especially the cold, or you get cold and snow, they're going to just be up cruising around. They don't want to be sit down, bedded down, covered in snow. They like to move around. And it's just, I mean, it's when it's that cold, when it's cold, I mean, even for the deer, you know, they, they're, they are able to regulate their body temperature a lot better than us, but still they do get cold. And the more you move around, the less cold. And if, if there is any hardcore whitetail hunters out there, care if you're Alberta, BC states, and you have some tips for calling, like when it comes to grunt, maybe you guys do understand the language a little more where you're at. Um, shoot us a message on our, you know, Instagram. Well, mostly on Instagram or whatever, Facebook, whatever. I'd, I'd be curious if there's uh, if there's a little more to it, depending on the time of year, especially, you know, pre-rut, during a rut, post-rut, if there's a little bit of language stuff there. Yeah, or um, even if you're not experienced, and just it's good to hear what worked for people in the past. Yeah, it's good to, always, always good always, to learn something yeah. new. And last question I had was how to hunt nocturnal bucks. I think we kind of covered that. Um, wait for what, like, it just all depends on the year, the weather, the snow. Um, and it, like I said earlier, I mean, this getting this late in the game, it's December 12th. There's 10 days left, to hunting left. Uh, I'm going out leaving here Wednesday. We're going to be, I'm going to be gone hunting four days. So hopefully we can get it done in those four days. I've kind of been just sitting and waiting for our buddy Ashley to get. Today's actually the last day for mule deer yeah. hunting and I haven't had I haven't had a message from his inreach saying that buck down. So he is fucking stressed out. I'll tell you that much. Oh, I don't doubt that. He's probably going to listen to this and, and be like, he's probably going to listen to this and be like, what the fuck? Oh man. I've, yeah, I've had my fingers crossed from messaging him, wishing him good luck. And oh man. Yeah. yeah. You know, and he's just, when it comes down to the wire. Well, I mean, and when you're filming, everything is a lot harder right and he a lot of it is self-filming he does have a camera guy with him but when you're self like even taking pictures even setting those fucking things up like i had that camera set up in my tree stand and trees once it's set up it's fine but just carrying around i'm like "Ah, fuck i don't want to do this yeah i know what's going on i don't care i don't care if anybody else sees it it's cool for a few shots here and there and then when you look at the rest of the 99.9 percent of your your season yeah you don't want to carry it around you know, I love taking photos, all that kind of stuff. Even by the, the season I've had, I was so mentally exhausted. I took a couple of quick pictures and that was it. And it was just like, I'm fucking done. I just want out of the, you know, I never want to go to the woods, but I want out of the woods. I want to break. I want to, want to sleep yeah. in one day. You know, it's just, so yeah. My yeah off I that. slept in today. I, it was funny. I was like, I got up, I was going to go do a workout and then the dogs wanted out early in the morning, early this morning. And so I sat waiting for the dogs to come back in and then I went back to bed and then my alarm went off at four o'clock and I was I turned it off and went back to sleep I woke up at six I was like oh perfect nice podcast time coffee and podcast absolutely I could do my workout now I guess but we are going to sit in the tree stand tonight try to get Wyatt his first ever his first ever deer with his bow so he's pretty stoked about that it's awesome I'm gonna be looking forward to that text deer down yeah yeah um so he can shoot either sex right now so that's awesome 
it doesn't really matter. So we can here too. Um, I don't know. Is it, is it different in your region for, for adults or just non-youth, I guess you should say. No, his, for the whitetail, it was, he could shoot um, a doe from October 10th to November 30th, but then it moves to either sex. December 1st, it moves back to either sex. You can shoot a doe or a buck. Um, so, I mean, it all depends if you're fine with shooting does, which is shoot whatever you want. I don't shoot yeah. does. I mean, I, nothing that I wouldn't shoot a doe if I didn't have a freezer full of meat, I definitely would shoot a doe. And I, that's a huge conversation for another time. This, you know, shooting does, I mean, you look at those guys down in the States and if you want, they say, if you want a lot of bucks, you got to shoot does. Well, I guess when they got that many, I think Alberta's kind of the same thing too, right? Like they hand out so many tags and it's just, it's to manage, you know, kind of keep that. I'm assuming it's to manage the buck to doe ratio. Yeah. And there's breeding, right? There's the, but you know, um, if there's a it's really high concentration of does to bucks, the breeding gets thrown off. Yeah. Um, so the, the bucks aren't breeding properly. There's a whole lot of science. Oh, so yeah. we should get somebody on and kind of get to the bottom of it. I mean, obviously there's lots of other stuff out there that covers it, but it's good. It'd be good to, uh, for myself to have someone with science-based knowledge, not just personal not opinion. Just per- yeah. Yeah. It's nice to get away from that every once in a while. <laughs> Cause everybody, every, and the funny thing is no matter what people have the opinion, they have it regardless, right? It doesn't matter who's okay. telling them or showing them the science or proving the science. They're they're going to believe what they want to believe. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I know some people, they're just like dead against it. The more does you have, the more deer you'll have. Well, if the does aren't getting bred. What fucking they're good getting, is it? You can... They're getting bred too late too because they got missed. Then now you run into the whole thing with, now you got to, well, and, and it's more small fawn coming into the next winter. And if you have a, an area where there's a lot of fawns, there's a lot of, and predators know that you're going to have a lot of predators, right? And the predators are going to stick around and they're going to, you know, a fawn's good for a meal, yeah. but then it's going to be targeting other thing, the, you know, the rest of the deer as well. So there's a lot to it. it. Uh, we won't get into it now. Okay. Everybody out there chasing deer, I guess. Good luck. Yes. Stay warm. Pete, stay I'd say safe. good luck to you, but. you're done i'm done now i'm just working on my reno and this morning when i came down to set up the computer for our show standing in the corner of the basement and i was like oh yeah i got about 10 yards there i can shoot across from corner to corner (laughs) yeah sometimes that's all it takes well yeah shooting range it's perfect yeah okay buddy have a good one all right we'll talk to you later Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.